to season two of The Kurt Locker, a podcast that's often been described as a book club, but with Kurt Russell. <laughs> My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode by my co-host. She's been on no less than a mile of podcasts and has the audio to back it up. Whitney Nelson. (laughs) Hello. Do you think we could go that far, take it to court with that kind of a claim? I don't don't know. You know? No. It doesn't seem based in reality. I think think that um, the world is very different now, and even the idea of that is laughable. (laughs) I... (laughs) There are consumer protection levels, Whitney. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Get the Better Business Bureau involved in this claim that there's a mile of cars. Oh, you'll, yeah. We got to go out and measure them. We got to. <laughs> oh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back and doing this after our a little hiatus. But, we, you know, we couldn't make it work. Either I was or I was unavailable or you were. But how are you feeling? You know, okay. Yeah. yeah. The world is, you know, what it is. But overall, I'm doing pretty well. Had a few days off, went to the woods. I've got some tequila beside me right now. So, all things considered, it could be a lot worse. As we had just discussed, I got my mm-hmm. second vaccine shot uh, just a few hours Freshly ago. Inoculated. Right. Yeah. Now the countdown begins until, like I've said, I'll just continue to wear my mask, but (laughs) I'll feel better, you know, (laughs) so Mm -hmm. that's pretty good. Uh, You know, things are looking up, you know. They are. I'm excited to chat about this one, our first episode of season two. So Mm -hmm. we got a lot to cover up top. We've we've added some things and we have something that's it's kind of mind-blowing. So let me get the housekeeping out of the way, and then we'll get right into it. Okay. So as always, I want to mention you can find our podcast, this and other podcasts at 12and24.com. That's the numbers 12and24.com. You can email us at kurtlockerpod at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at kurtlockerpod. I promise I will be more active on Twitter now that we're in season two and we have a lot of great stuff to promote. It's going to be great. You can join us on Discord and chat in real time. That's 12and24.com slash Discord. This is a soft launch of Whitney and I. We are broadcasting live to our Discord right now. So if you are in Very there. Very soft you, because we warned no one about it. Right. If someone happens to log on to our Discord, they could just join us. And mm-hmm. Whitney, the way I understand this to work is it's kind of like a Clubhouse or Twitter spaces where... If someone wanted to chime in or ask a question, we could like promote them to be a speaker, have them ask the question, and then they can just go back to being like a listener, which is actually pretty wow. cool for, for the format, the I think. future. Yeah. And that that used to require a lot of work for me, <laughs> but mm-hmm. now it's just like I press a button and I, I kind of love it. So hopefully we can uh, make that happen and join us on Discord. It'll be great. And then finally... If you want to support us with just a moment of your time, please share the show with your friends and rate and review us on iTunes. It brings more folks into the fray. We gain the algorithm. Everyone hears more about Kurt Russell. Whitney, Mm -hmm. it's right in front of you. It's in our notes It is. I have already read it, and it's incredible. Uh, (laughs) But for those that do not have the document up in front of them at the computer, tell us about Lane Train 11. Lane Train 11... 
maybe like uh, I I don't know if this maybe holds true. Maybe our biggest fan. I don't I don't know for I sure. I don't know if that's true, but I will say they are certainly a notable fan. Right. Certainly One of the climbing the ladder. This is an online experience that I and most people have never had before. Never so, had. So put put Lane Train 11 down in the history books. <laughs> it is most unprecedented. I'm going to read is. an updated review from Lane Train. It seems like I'm doing this almost every episode. Here we go. Mm-hmm. The title of the review has been updated to the word invite. Mm-hmm. Uh, here it goes. First of all, to put it out there, it would be an honor to watch any Kurt Russell movie with you guys. And I guess that's in reference to we're going to like do some watch parties soon. So, yeah. yeah. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Now to the main question at hand. I got my fiance to start listening to your podcast, and she also feels that you are the greatest of all time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, future Mrs. Lane Train. <laughs> Uh, The question is, with how great you guys are, we both want you to come to our wedding in July. (laughs) Do you accept or not? We we all could do a live show. (laughs) Incredible. Incredible. Lane Train, thank you. It is an honor. It is an honor. Yes. uh, Whitney, I don't know what you're up to in July. Right now, I'm not planning too much, but I don't know where Lane Train Eleven lives. That is the that's the kicker, right? That's the we real don't question. Yeah how how much of an excursion are we talking here? Right, um, and you know, is is a wedding the the place to do a live episode? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, don't know. It's certainly worth a go. Never say never. You know what I mean. Yeah, well, I'm I I am game for it, and it sounds like both Lane Train and his fiance are fond of us. So mm-hmm. I'm not ruling it out completely. I just don't know how enjoyable that would be for the other wedding guests, really. Well, yeah, I mean, if we're grabbing them as they're walking down the aisle to be like, "Quick, what are your thoughts on Kurt Russell?" Uh, Top ten you know, Kurt Russell films be- go <laughs> between walking down the aisle and you know standing at a podium saying, "I do." Um, if we can sneak it in there, I, I'm sure everyone would be entertained. Okay. Lane Train, you know, you're on the Discord. Feel free to reach out, send us an email, tweet at us, whatever's, whatever's easiest. I'm not ruling it out. I'm just, uh, logistically, things would need to be figured out. Congratulations also are in order for, for the I'm two of you. I'm always up for a little free chicken or beef, so. <laughs> yeah. Don't you dare give me the vegan option. How dare you? Um, yeah, that's amazing. That's incredible. Thank you again, Lane Train. So funny. Uh, if you were so inclined to write a review and update it weekly, uh, we would read it weekly. That's basically we how it, it goes. Weekly. But also, if you just want to do one, we'll read the one. Not not everyone has um, the devotion of Lane Train 11. Correct. It's It's a lot. It's a lot. But thank you. Thank you either way. Lane Train and anyone else who chooses to review us. That's great. Your beautiful soul and so is your fiance. See? There you go. There you go. Immortalized in audio forever mm-hmm. on the internet. There you go. Whitney, I would love uh, to bring back a segment that we had on our previous podcast. 
mm-hmm. and I think it's timely. I agree. The The segment is essentially what was happening in year, right? And maybe we should have been doing this all along. And I kind of thought about bringing it back. And listener Claire had also mentioned that she missed it. So I was like, oh, this is great. So all we're really trying to do is paint a picture of what was happening in the world at large. And then put a little perspective about where we were at as a culture when this movie came out. Yeah, we try to do I think for the most part, we try and and succeed to give context. You know, when we were talking about stuff like the computer wore tennis shoes and how that was happening alongside Vietnam and and things like that. So, like, Mm -hmm. I think we try, but let's like we throw out a lot of facts up top and then we can maybe help try to contextualize some of the films we're watching. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to list a couple things here really quickly, if that's okay. Right out of the gate, 1980, uh, Ronald Reagan, and this this is just me editorializing, but whatever, one of the worst people in history is elected president. Amen. You know? Okay, great. <laughs> Good. That's not what it said. It was just on Wikipedia. Say it but again I, for the people in the back. I just added that one of the worst people in history, Ronald Reagan. He gets elected president, unfortunately. We do not endorse Ronald Reagan for president here at the Kurt Locker. <laughs> no, I, you know, can we go time machine? Anybody? Okay. I mean, if I have a time machine, that's one of the things I'll do with it. It's on the list. <laughs> Just the go list. person to person and be like, yo, Reagan, don't do it. Right. We can't be. We can't be messing around with this guy. Also in 1980, the U.S. defeats Russia in Olympic hockey. This is often referred to by Miracle on Ice and might Mm -hmm. be worth remembering for a later episode of this very podcast, wink, wink. Maybe it'll come up again. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, The Iran-Iraq war starts. Uh, John Lennon is shot and killed, uh, which is very sad. Uh, the U.S. passes the Crude Oil Windfall Profits Tax Act. Which is also very sad. Yes. Tax high profits for oil companies, which actually kind of comes up in this movie a little bit. Uh-huh. It does a little bit. Uh, John Wayne Gacy, the second creepiest clown in history, is sentenced okay, to Okay, I death. saw this in the notes. Who is the first creepiest clown? Because if you say Pennywise, you're wrong. Penny, I would rather hang out with Pennywise than John Wayne Gacy. Here's what I'll say, Whitney. Uh I didn't have a first clown in mind, but I always like to leave room for a creepier clown. (laughs) Uh, Oh, that's fair. It's just like hedging my bets. If you're saying there is a clown creepier than John Wayne Gacy somewhere in the multiverse, I will go with you on that one. That's that's the exact journey I need you to go on. Yes. I'll back you up on that stance. I just, if you were specifically saying that a different clown was creepier than John Wayne Gacy, you were incorrect because John Wayne Gacy is the creepiest clown that I know of. Yes, that's all I'm saying. I'm just saying leave room because (laughs) inherently it's just a creepy thing to be. There might be someone who could out creep him. I don't know. Yeah, just, just to close out things that were happening in the country. I was not going to be born for another three years. Three years. Just so everyone contextualizes that. Whitney is not even a gleam in her father's eye. Right. I also did not exist yet. So there is that. Yeah. Um, 1980 in film is super interesting. And it sounds like this. We have The Empire Strikes Back, Nine to Five, Stir Crazy, Kramer versus Kramer, Any Which Way You Can, 
Private Benjamin, starring Kurt's soon-to-be life partner, Coal Miner's Daughter, Smokey and the Bandit 2, The Blues Brothers, The Shining, Friday the 13th, The Jazz Singer, Raging Bull, and our best picture winner is Ordinary People. That's a there's hell a of a of, list. There's a lot of heavy hitters on that list. I know. It's crazy. You know, once again, it's a fun it's a fun thing if you had a desert island movie out of these, Whitney. What what which one would you go with? The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it's me too. It's too, it's not even and it's not even close. Like Not even next, close. No, no, it's not. No. <laughs> uh I like The Shining, but nowhere near as much as I like The Empire Strikes Back. The Blues Brothers is probably the next closest for me. Yeah. Just as far as like only one to watch over and over again forever. Um, I don't think I could handle The Shining over and over again forever. No. I mean, that, that you would basically end up in the painting if you watched yeah. The Shining. Exactly. <laughs> Just you would be him. You would be him. But yeah. Nothing's even close to The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. That's great. That's really great. So that's 1980. And now I want to talk about this movie. I feel like I'm talking a lot, so I'll go through this and then we could get to Whitney's part, which is always nice. <laughs> Where I don't talk We all anymore. love a Whitney's part. <laughs> After this, I promise Whitney will talk for a long time. <laughs> Today, we are talking about the film Used Cars. The plot synopsis from IMDb is this. When the owner of a struggling used car lot is killed... It's up to the lot's hotshot salesman to save the property from falling into the hands of the owner's ruthless brother and used car rival. This movie was written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale and is the directorial debut of Robert Zemeckis. He, mm-hmm. did, a, he did a documentary before this, but if you're talking feature films, this, this is, is the one. This is it. Co-starring alongside Kurt R., Jack Warden, Garrett Graham, Frank McRae, Deborah Harmon, Joe Flaherty, David L. Lander, and, in my opinion, a distractingly good-looking Michael McKean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I heard the voice before, because I think he, like, you hear his voice before you see it, and I'm like, I think that's Michael McKean. And, like, sure enough, <laughs> he showed up, and, like... Mm-hmm. Many of the but the many of the top buttons of his shirt were undone. I'm like, whoa, uh-huh. what's going on what's here? What's happening here? Michael McKean. Whitney. Uh, what yeah. do the critics and audiences have to say about used cars? All right. So we have a 77% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Which is probably high. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I think probably I would consider that to be a high rating. Sure. Um, we have a 69% audience score. Nice. Nice. So that's the overall percentages on Rotten Tomatoes. We have a pull quote from Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times, who gave it two out of four stars and said, Used Cars was written, directed, and produced by the team of Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gale, Two young filmmakers who seem to be higher on kinetic energy than on structure and comedic instinct. Wow. Okay. Harsh burn. I am actually going to, once we start talking about whether or not this movie worked for us, reference that same Roger Ebert review in a few moments. Cool. There's another part of it that I think is worth saying out loud. So, and then on Round Tomatoes, user Christine S. Gave it three out of five stars and said, in true 80s raunchy comedy fashion, it's very un-PC and will probably offend a lot. 
but it's a good old time. The antics are so ridiculous and over the top, I don't know how anyone can get upset. You can tell the cast are having a blast and it's infectious. Okay, okay. User Francis M. on Rotten Tomatoes gave it three out of five stars and says, Catchy comedy, which is a credit to the director and the cast, as the storyline is not exactly appealing. (laughs) Okay. Uh But most importantly... (laughs) Listener Claire's mom writes, this is really the worst movie I've ever seen. And keep in mind, I watched whatever the last movie was. I believe that would be the strongest man in the world. So incredible. Wow. (laughs) Incredible. Thank you, Claire's mom. We want to have you as a guest on the show one time. You did it. You did it. Okay. We have what you believe is is a too high critic score. Audience score, not too far afield from that one. So, Whitney, I'm curious, did this movie, did used cars work for you? Okay, so here's the thing. All but the last 20 minutes did not work for me. Okay, wow, okay. And we'll get a little bit more into it, but I really think they massively turned it around in the last little bit. I think um, they found their stride. The first, you know, everything but the last 20 minutes of the movie does not work for me, is terrible, um, does include a lot of non-consensual boob and butt grabbing, mm-hmm. um, and is generally just kind of all over the place. The only thing in the first, you know, the majority of the movie that's worth watching the movie is Toby, the dog, <laughs> the dog. <laughs> who is an incredibly adorable little beagle, who is also outstandingly well-trained. One of the first jokes in the movie is an old guy fixing a car and tells Toby to go get a Phillips head screwdriver and the dog goes to the toolbox and brings back a a flathead screwdriver. And it's just incredible. And this dog is so adorable and also a major like plot point at times in the movie. Yeah. The only way that certain characters know that other things are happening is because the dog is like, hey, someone should pay attention to what's happening over here. So, again, like I said, the Roger Ebert review of this movie, there's one paragraph where he said, the great comedies almost always have very simple story structures upon which complex gags can be elaborated. And then goes on to talk about Buster Keaton for a couple sentences. And then he says, used cars makes the fatal error of achieving the reverse effect. Simple gags are generated out of bafflingly complex situations. And I think that is so on the nose for this movie. I think that this movie is overly simplistic and puerile gags for most of this movie on an increasingly complex plot that doesn't need to be a complex plot. How do we keep the used car lot in our hands long enough for me to get into politics is totally fine. It does not need to get quite as screwball as it gets, in my opinion. Mm. Mm -hmm. I also... For the first, no one learns anything in this movie, and everyone's kind of a shitty person. (laughs) Yes. So keep that in mind as, like, that's a thing that I massively don't enjoy in movies. If I have no one to root for, everyone's kind of shitty, and no one really learns anything, what's the point of spending your time? 
and it's definitely not funny enough for the most of the movie to make up for the fact that it's a bunch of shitty people being shitty to one another, and that's really all it's about. Um, Kurt does a good job, I feel, as playing sort of a slime ball car salesman, which we haven't really seen yet, but I don't appreciate the fact that his character doesn't really turn around and see why everything he was doing was bad. Um, there's not really any sort of redemption there other than he helps the girl save the used car lot. Yeah. But it's not because he, like, has remorse for anything that he did previously because he didn't. He just realized how much in, in trouble the used car lot was and was like, well, I'll help her. Not because he was like, hey, every single thing that I've done is manipulative and shitty and I'm selling garbage to people to better my own political aspirations. Um, so I definitely think it's too screwball. It's too over the top. It's very un-PC um, in ways that is unnecessary. Like, again, this is a time and a place yeah. that I was not a part of. But also, there's a lot of non-consensual groping in this that I really found unpleasant. Uh, you know, <clears throat> it is sexual assault in multiple cases, and the girl's not into it, and it's not funny. Um, but the last 20 minutes, so I don't know if it's exactly 20 minutes. I keep saying that, but I don't know exactly when it happened. But Kurt Russell's best friend slash co-used car salesman <laughs> is very superstitious throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And when he realizes that Kurt Russell has placed a bet that opposes him in this game with like all of his savings to become a politician. The only way that Kurt can win is if he loses and being very superstitious, he tips over the salt shaker. And right as that happens, someone in the football game like fumbles or something and like instantaneously. And then he goes wild trying to break mirrors and up, and spill salt and do all of this stuff. And it is very funny. And it is the first time that a character does something altruistic in this movie. And kind of one of the only times that a character does something altruistic. And it genuinely made me laugh out loud. And the movie really picked up steam from that point. Um, mm -hmm. He gets in the car with the guy who's going to make him a politician. And he's like, oh, you're shitty buying politicians and you know i don't actually want to do any of this weasley stuff and then the rest of it is just sort of hijinks of they have to get a mile's worth of cars to the car lot by eleven forty-five or whatever when the judge is going to be there to measure and see if there's a mile of cars and that's just sort of like fun, Fast and Furious style sort of jumping from one moving car to another and having yeah. a fist fight and doing some hijinks. And, and there was some more laugh out loud moments. I did not laugh out loud for any of the first parts of the movie outside of the dog <laughs> because the dog was such a good boy. Yeah, he was. Until that, that one scene in the bar where the friend is doing everything he can that's bad luck going under ladders and breaking mirrors and trying to find a cat and whatever. I genuinely laughed out loud and then it that momentum kept going until the end of the movie, which is very, very quick thereafter. Yeah. 
But so overall, I mean, I don't want to say, do I recommend this? Yes or no. We're not at that part of the episode yet. But overall, this movie did not work for me. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I, I was, I took some notes while you were talking too, because you made some very good points. Uh, oh my gosh. Let me just, <laughs> I gotta write this down. <laughs> oh, I will say that Lenny and Squiggy are in it, as essentially Lenny and Squiggy. If yeah. you know anything <laughs> about Lenny and Squiggy, that might interest you, or it might not. I don't know. What? But that yes. was weird to me. Yeah. Uh, okay, let me piggyback off of what you you said initially. Uh, so for me, uh, I'll just go ahead and say I'm probably I'm a little bit warmer on this movie than you are, mm-hmm. but it's it's honestly it's like an eighty twenty split between laughter and cringe, right? For me, not and not laugh. No, nah, I shouldn't say laughter. That's too strong of a word. Like a chuckle, <laughs> like a, mm-hmm. a chortle, maybe. I don't know what you would call it. Like I was never like ha ha ha. No, that never happened during this movie. Let me harp on the thing that I always harp on and say that this movie is 20 minutes too long. <laughs> it's a co- it's a comedy and it's in the 80s. Why is this movie two hours long? It's probably 30 minutes too long. Actually. I was going to say it's probably about 35 minutes too long in my yeah. opinion. And I'm I'm actually I'm legitimately shocked that this is Robert Zemeckis. Right now, again, first movie. Uh, with his writing partner, Bob Gale. I believe Robert Zemeckis is responsible for one of the most perfect movies ever. Really? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. Also co-written by Bob Gale. I think that's a, it's not just a perfect 80s movie. Like, I believe it is a perfect movie. (laughs) Like, but it, it, there is kind of a, there is connective tissue between the two. Like I see mm-hmm. some things in this one that eventually got refined and reworked to become Back to the Future. So the things that I did like about this movie are there are like there are a ton of visual gags, which I do like. That does work for me in a movie. And mm-hmm. he had he there are so many plants and payoffs. It's incredible. Like it that is what reminded me of Back to the Future. Like these two, that's like their signature thing, I guess, because I was looking at the other Zemeckis movies and I'm like, oh, yeah, they all kind of have if you're like, well, I mentioned Back to the Future, but also like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, right? Like they all have they'll set up a thing in the beginning that doesn't pay off until like an hour later. And you're like, oh, that was pretty good, actually. The red car is one of them, like Mm -hmm. the the whole red car thing. Um, But like. The visual gags of uh, like the the bubble gum to hold the bumper on, which is so dumb. But I was like, okay, I'll take it. The taxis that are sprayed blue, the new car smell spray on like a it's like a just a piece of shit car. I'm like, mm-hmm. I like it. That's funny. And that his fridge is when he opens his fridge, it is I as just far as so I can tell, much celery. It's celery. A, a case of Coors Light and a giant safe full of money. And I'm like, Behind all of the celery. That was like the thing is he had to move all the celery to get into his safe. Yeah. I'm like, this says a lot about this character without saying anything. You know, like mm-hmm. that that says everything you need to know, kind of. So I like that stuff. Uh, the, the visual gags, the... Uh, the plants and the payoffs and what you had said, the, basically from that point in the bar, the movie is solid. And I think 
I can't be sure, but if we watched Zemeckis and Bob Gale's collaborations from th- from essentially that last 20 minutes on, I think it's more like that 20 minutes and less like the first hour and a half of this film, mm-hmm. if I had to guess. In our Discord, I was talking with Claire, who I mentioned probably on every episode now, and as well as her mom and her delightful family, uh, that I thought, I was like, this is like, it was made in 1980, but this is the most 1980s movie I think I may have ever seen. <laughs> like, when you say like 80s movie as a descriptor, mm-hmm. some people might think of like John Hughes or like uh, Rob Reiner, but there's also that the negative connotation, it's like movies that are problematic and don't hold up and mm-hmm. portray people of color or women as stereotypes. Uh, mm-hmm. gratuitous nudity, you know, like, and this movie has so much of all of that. <laughs> yes, it does. It's at 11. Like, mm-hmm. that's the cringe part. When when basically they rely on the punching down stuff. And I, mm-hmm. I was like, I literally like recoiled into my own body. <laughs> like, Yeah, no, it's bad. It's a, in a few places, it is very uncomfortable. And <laughs> I I guess that that was like, of uh, I'm I'm not excusing it. It was like very much of the time. I'm guessing like what Animal House came out like a year or two before this, mm-hmm. and then like in this same time frame, you have movies like uh, Porky's and like Revenge of the Nerds. So like if you're mm-hmm. th- that that's like what you're use that as your basis for like what this 100%. movie is. The, yeah. that, like very very close. It tends very close to that. So. Far and away, the the thing that I noticed the most is like this is the most this is like the darkest movie we've watched. <laughs> it's oh not, yeah, it's not, by far. It's not even close. <laughs> like, but uh, I did get some, and I uh, you know take this how you will. I got like some pretty. I got some Coen Brothers vibes from this. So like, um, not uh, like like raising Arizona. Is it was like the like the touchstone for me? Just vibes. It's not okay. like raising Arizona. Just I like vibe wise. It's kind of how it felt to me. It's like very rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Rudy, played by Kurt Russell, is a person that I think I would hate in real life. Hundred um, percent. Yes. Yeah. But in this movie. Because he is positioned as an underdog, I still found myself rooting for him, like in spite of myself. I'm like, this. I would hate this guy, but yeah. I hate the brother more. <laughs> so it's only like because the brother basic, the, the guy killed his brother. I hate him more than I hate Kurt Russell, Rudy in this movie. Yeah, he just to me, the character felt like. Uh, he was cool with like his his lot in life, like living in a trailer and hanging out with strippers all the time. <laughs> and like you said, no one really learns anything <laughs> as far as I could mm-hmm. tell in this movie. So I'm like, eh, I could take it or leave it. Like, don't really yeah. care about this guy too much. I will say. Um, mm-hmm. I think he probably I think the way that they positioned him in this was to make him like an everyman. Uh, and I think that's probably why this resonated with people so much. Like there uh, was the- an astounding amount of cursing. 
yes. from him that was very clearly like we've seen it from so many child stars that hit a certain point of adulthood where they're like, I'm an adult now and no one sees me that way. This movie was very clearly like Kurt Russell is an adult now and he's going to say fuck. I think the first line of the movie is fuck, isn't it? Like, I doesn't think so. he? Yeah. <laughs> and that was fu- that that was like funny because it was shocking because we've never seen that yet. Um, mm-hmm. But then I'm like, oh, my God, what's the ca- I should have been counting is really I should have had a little clicker to count there. You know, his as I don't care for the character, as we have discussed. However, his charisma and presence uh, is is noteworthy is is worth noting i guess uh mm-hmm. he is very good at this role which you don't like very much um yes so th- there is that i think the best line of the movie um and this was this was actually a laugh out loud moment for me um was the one where one of the characters says they're like planning to like air this commercial it, during the presidential mm-hmm. address, and they're like, "We're fucking with the president in the United States," and like, Rudy replies like instantly. He doesn't miss a beat, and is like, "He fucks with us, doesn't he?" <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm like, "That's pretty good. Okay, mm-hmm. okay." And given the times, I'm like, "All right, yeah, I can get can get behind that." Overall, I, I'm not right with the audience percentage on this one, but like, kind of in that area. Like, I didn't laugh a lot. Um, I cringed hard, uh, but overall I found it just as this exercise that we're doing of refreshing change of pace <laughs> from what we have been watching. And I could, I, I could say yeah. that with, with, a sh- and I'm like, oh, different, different is good. Uh, <laughs> but um, that's not an endorsement of this movie. Just different is good. <laughs> I don't know if I actually said anything there definitive so let me just say like i was like i'm like meh about this movie that's what i'll put out there okay i have a super important question though that i wanted to ask you if if i could Mm -hmm. um you know what let me just i'll let you ask it a brief moment of (laughs) is he hot in this one Whitney, I think his character in this one might have bugged you. <laughs> it did bug me. So the answer is no. Okay. Except, except for when she's leaving the bowling alley bar and he chases after her and is like, this is might be the most fun I've ever had with a woman. Yeah. When he is in that moment, very vulnerable, he's attractive. Okay. But, but for that's the, the rest only time in this whole movie. Got it. Okay. He's a little bit disheveled. He's being earnest. He's like, I don't think I've ever had this much fun talking to a female. That was the only time. Overall, the character makes him very unattractive in this one. Yeah. I would tend to agree with you just based on the character, like a kind of a 
like a sleaze bag situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for what it's worth, he looked like he smelled good. I don't know if that means anything, but oh, I think he did not smell good. Oh, really? I think oh, at yeah, the no, bare to minimum, me, he did not smell. He looked like he smelled like um. Motor oil, menthol cigarettes. No, I can't. I can't think of the right. I don't know men's colognes. Brute. (laughs) Yeah, maybe brute. Maybe brute. He looks like he smells like brute. Oh, that's no good. That's no good. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I thought at least a redeeming quality would be like smells good to make up for all of the other shitty stuff he's always all about. But maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Um. Wow, I'm, re- I'm glad we I'm glad we chatted about that. I had a feeling I knew what the answer was. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the Dexter Riley trilogy really gave you good insight into where I would fall on it for this specific movie. Yeah, yeah. Let me say it was interesting um to see him. This is like full Full ass adult Kurt Russell now because yes. there's the five year gap where we didn't cover the the TV movies and television shows that he was on. So we hopped from 75 to 80. So now he mm-hmm. is just he is man Kurt Russell now, which is he is yeah man. <laughs> he is man. So <laughs> that was good. That was good. Yeah, I don't really I don't think I have anything else to say. Uh, about his attractiveness or the film, really. The, we got to cut this shit down. That's all. Every time. That's like, I, f- I feel like a broken record. Every time. I got to just say 30 minutes less. All the time. That's generally a good rule. Especially for a comedy though, right? Like, Even for films that are really tight. It's like, if you can figure out what 30 minutes could come out of this, yeah, you could make this movie even better. Because there's always going to be something that doesn't need to be there. No, I, you know, every time I think like I could undertake this, I don't want to though. If I get, if I go down that road, I'm like, I'll, I'll do the, the Andrew edits. Like, don't do it. Don't do it. I don't have a good segue. I didn't set myself up for this. Ads. Ads. (laughs) There it is. Great segue, Whitney. Ads. I did it. Uh, I want to tell y'all about Backblaze. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it. They were like, you know what? (laughs) Yeah, you could do this one. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote them an email and I didn't hear anything for a little bit. And then they wrote me back and it was awesome. I was like, okay, great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Backblaze is incredible. Uh, It's peace of mind. We all have a computer. We all have things that we need to back up or should back up. If you're not backing Mm -hmm. up, shame, shame, shame on you. Yes. Uh, I'm talking about $6 a month and truly unlimited backups. So it's not just the your computer and its hard drive. It's all the stuff that's plugged into it, too. Whitney, I would direct you to the little photograph I've added here in the ad read as proof uh-huh. of uh, what Backblaze is doing for me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 45 terabytes of data backed up with Backblaze. It's a lot of data. It's a shitload of data. Oh, prob- well, all right. It's a shitload of data. Okay. <laughs> it is so much. It is a lot. 
It's very much. I put them to the test because I am what you, I'm clearly what they would describe as an outlier, which I think mm-hmm. is the reason why they're letting us continue these ad reads. <laughs> because 45, ter- I, most people over the course of having a computer probably don't accumulate that much data. But no. it just comes with the territory of what I do for a living. Video, fi- large, high resolution video files. It's craziness. Backblaze is great because it's easy. It sits in your menu bar on a Mac or taskbar in Windows, and it just sits there and backs up throughout the day. Overnight, it's backing up. In the morning, it's backing up. It's not affecting your connection speed. If it sees that you're doing stuff, you're on Zoom, you're downloading files, Backblaze slows itself down automatically. It's super, super smart. If you happen to lose your uh, computer or a drive fails, they make it super easy. You can either download all of your stuff again from their servers, or you can have them send you a hard drive full of your information, copy it onto your new computer or new hard drive, and then send the drive back to them, which is, I've done that twice now. And it was super duper seamless. It's great because of the drive failed. I was like, I'm very scared. Backblaze is like, I got you. It's great. All of it's encrypted. You know, if you're concerned about that sort of stuff, (laughs) the government can't get your secrets, you know. (laughs) So there you go. If you have any. Keep them out of your secrets. Yeah. If you're if you have any of those Backblaze, (laughs) they don't have the encryption keys to get, you know, give your secrets away. So there you go. We have. A five, uh, no, it's a 15-day free trial to orient yourself. See if you dig it. Go to 12and24.com slash backblaze. 15 days gives you enough time to see what it's like. Potentially back up all of your stuff already. And if you like it, it's $6 a month. And it's peace of mind. And it's great. I can't speak highly enough of it. I'll send this. I'll tweet this photo out. Y'all don't even know. It's so. It's it. 800 and. 30,000 plus files that I've backed he'll, up. He'll so do it. You don't even know. Don't make me. <laughs> but I will. It's fine. That's it. That's Backblaze. 1224.com slash Backblaze. Do it. Do it, Mrs. Lane Train. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I called her out. Where are you going to keep your wedding photos? <laughs> right. Do that. Oh, man. See how we. You're about to get hitched. What happens if you lose them? Don't lose them. Don't With do it. Backblaze, you won't. Computers, computers fail. Hard drives fail. It's a fact. That's it. I'm, I'm sorry, Mrs. Lane Train. Don't feel singled out. Um, yeah, we're not trying to bully you. <laughs> You're the best, Whitney. That's me. Is this my movie or your movie? It's your movie. It's my movie. Okay. The plot here. On Wikipedia is pretty good. I I think I'm just going to go with this uh, and I will skip what doesn't need to be said. But uh, are you ready? Yes. Okay. Keep in mind this movie's runtime is just shy of two hours. Uh, So if it feels like not a lot's happening, it's because not a lot's happening. Mm. Rudy Russo, which is Kurt Russell, is a young and cunning car salesman in Mesa with aspirations of running for state Senate. He works at the struggling New Deal used car lot owned by the elderly Luke Fuchs, who agrees to help invest $10,000 in Rudy's campaign, $10,000 in Rudy's campaign if he promises to keep the business alive. Meanwhile, across the street, Luke's twin brother and arch competitor Roy L. Fuchs 
also played by Warden, is desperate to keep his used car lot from being demolished and replaced by a proposed freeway exit. I believe the plan was to have that freeway route through his less successful Kurt Russell's car lot. And they're like, no, it actually makes more Mm -hmm. sense to have it on this side or whatever. It's a weird, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a weird one. Wanting to collect life insurance money and New Deal from Luke, Roy hires his mechanic, demolition derby driver Mickey, to recklessly drive Luke's 57 Chevrolet 210 around the block with Luke in the passenger seat. Around the block is not quite what happens. (laughs) He literally, like, goes on a freeway. They, like, drive into oncoming traffic. It's a whole, whole thing. The car crashes basically right out front of the lot. Luke dies of a heart attack, but leaves Rudy with evidence that Roy staged the accident. So, in an attempt to prevent Roy from gaining any of this inheritance and the new car and the used car lot, Rudy has his superstitious coworker Jeff and mechanic Jim help him bury Luke in the lot's backyard in an Edsel car that was once New Deal's sign ornament. When Roy comes looking for Luke the next day, they explain that Luke took the Edsel on a vacation to Miami. Does that all hold up so far, Whitney? Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty convoluted thus far, I think, is something mm-hmm. that we mentioned. It's, it's a lot. I wanted to ask, what did you actually think of Jack Warden in these dual roles? Did you like him? I mean, I think he did the most he could with what he was given, but I do think it was a pretty wacky caricature of a person, of two people. Yeah. It was very mustache twirly on the bad side. And then, you know, wholesome to a fault on the other. Mm-hmm. The one thing that this opening leaves out is right before he died, Luke receives a phone call from his estranged daughter, uh, who he hadn't seen in like 10 or 15 years or something like that. Anyway. The following night, Rudy and his friends make a live broadcast of of a car commercial in the middle of a football game, but it goes awry when Jeff finds out the car on display is red, which he believes is bad luck. And female model Margaret has her dress stuck on the hood ornament, which rips and exposes her when the hood is popped open. Uh, This scene had the potential to be a quick laugh But they lingered on this shot of her for about 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And it just felt so gross. (laughs) Like, so gross. I don't know. I don't know. Or just not do it at all. That's also fine. Yeah, uh, ideally, don't do it. I don't know, Bob Zemeckis, maybe... (laughs) Just the thought in retrospect. I have notes. The commercial results in New Deal receiving a massive number of customers the next day. In one deal, Jeff cons a family into buying a station wagon by having the lot's mascot dog, Toby, fake being run over during a test drive. Such a good dog. He was incredibly... So limp. I, was, I could not believe even his tongue was hanging out. Did you, uh-huh. did you notice that? I was yes, like, I did. How is yes, this I dog did. so still? It's incredible. He's, he's a very good dog. He is a very good dog. It was, that, was, that was funny. He got this guy in, who had like a gang of kids, <laughs> like a whole football team of kids to buy this shit-ass station wagon. 
Anyway, when Roy lures customers, this is the other brother who is not dead, when Roy lures customers in his lot by hiring circus animals, Rudy counters with a live stripper show. Luke's estranged daughter, Barbara Jane, who I mentioned was on a phone call, visits the lot in hopes of reuniting with him after more than 10 years when she dropped out of college to live on a hippie commune. But Rudy conceals the truth about her father by taking her out on a date and inadvertently convinces her to stay in town. Rudy's gang broadcasts another commercial in the middle of Jimmy Carter's presidential address, destroying some of Roy's used cars in the process, most notably his prized Mercedes SL. In retaliation, Roy storms into New Deal and attacks Jeff before discovering Luke's resting place buried in the lot. Roy brings the police to New Deal to dig through the backyard the next day, but Jim has taken the Edsel out of the pit, placed Luke's corpse in the driver's seat, and has rigged it to crash into a power transformer and explode. Everyone believes Luke was killed in the fiery accident, and the evidence is destroyed. Roy believes he now has possession of New Deal, but Rudy, but, uh, Rudy points out that Barbara, as Luke's daughter, is effectively the new owner. Eventually, Barbara discovers the fiasco over her father's death and fires Rudy, Jeff, and Jim for the scheme. As a final means of shutting down the New Deal, Roy has his connections in local television uh, change Barbara's commercial to imply that she has a mile of cars and pushes a trumped-up charge of false advertising. Rudy's luck changes when he wins a bet on a football game guaranteeing him enough money for his campaign. This was in the aforementioned scene uh, Whitney said in the bar where he's spilling all the salt and breaking all the mirrors. Very funny. Once he discovers that Barbara has been sued for false advertising, Rudy convinces her to tell the court she does have a mile of cars. To avoid a charge of perjury, she must prove it in front of the judge by having over 250 cars on her lot by 2.45 p.m. Rudy spends his Senate-run investment on 250 cars bought from Mexican dealer Manuel and having 250 student drivers deliver them to New Deal in less than two hours. After overcoming Roy's attempt at disrupting the resulting convoy and Jeff's superstition of driving a red car, the, dealers, uh, the drivers arrive in time. The total measurements are just long enough to equal a mile, saving the used car lot. Roy's former attorney informs Rudy and Barbara that once the freeway ramp across the street is constructed, New Deal will become the largest dealership in town. Mm -hmm. Roll credits. I wanted to point out one thing, Whitney, in this final stretch. I completely forgot about it until I read this because it's been a minute since I actually watched the movie as we discussed before we started recording. There is a stunt in this movie where a car jumps over a moving train. Correct. And it is spectacular. Yep. But again, that's in the last fraction of the movie. Yes. All of the jokes and all of the stunts and all of the screwball comedy and whatever just works in the last little section of this movie. Yes. It, I, I mean, I, because I, I saw that and I was like, there's no way that that happened. And I watched it and I'm like, then I like went and I read about it and they're like, yeah, this was a whole thing. <laughs> like it was, it, it was a lot. And I was, it, it looks inc it, all practical. It looked incredible. Like, well done. A car jumps over a moving train. That's it. That's the film. Whitney, mm -hmm. 
we have discussed our thoughts and feelings. We have run down the plot. We have determined uh, that he is not hot in this one. Now I ask mm-hmm. the question, uh, do you ultimately recommend this film? I do not. Okay. Okay. Andrew, do you recommend this film? Uh, I recommend a lot of Robert Zemeckis films. <laughs> this is not one of those films. <laughs> mm-hmm. I recommend Robert Zemeckis as a filmmaker starting at about 1985. <laughs> this is just five years too early. Uh, so no, yeah. I do not recommend this movie either. Uh, but now, uh, the more uh, interesting question is, where does this fit in your Kurt Russell ranking? Um, That's a really good question. I think it's number two. Uh-huh. Number two. I think it's the computer wore tennis shoes and then used cars and then Fool's Parade. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Where do you put it? Uh, what, what I'm about to say is going to give it away to the astute listener. I'm going to pull an Evan on this one. Okay. Oh, no. This is my number one oh, movie. Oh, no. No. Now, let me, uh, let me no. just say, look, Whitney, it, it pains me to say it. <laughs> you don't have to say it. <laughs> it's, it, take comfort in, in a couple things, right? It will be number one for uh, precisely one week. Okay? One week, yeah. And my thought is, my thought is this. If you laid, this is our 13th film we've watched. If you laid these 13 films in front of me and asked, which one would you like to watch again? If you could only watch one, it's this one. Despite. It's weird that you have recommended other films and not recommended this one, though. That is very much an Evan. Right. Yes, I agree. It's very much an Evan. (laughs) I do agree that this one has me very conflicted. But there are things about this one. Like I, I, I'm. It's probably very much how I'm filtering it. Uh, <laughs> where I'm like, oh, I could see the very good little little bits of this, for uh, th- that mostly exist at like a technical level. Like if if I was rating this out of ten, it gets four stars just because the car jumped over the train. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. that's where I put it, reluctantly. But it is my number one movie. Okay. Okay. You gotta do what you gotta do. (laughs) Until next week. (laughs) Whitney. Next week. Next week. Next week, Whitney's episode. Oh my God. We have arrived. It's 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 been a long road to get here. Whitney is walking us through. Escape from New York. Potentially, is this the movie people think about? When they think about Kurt Russell? I think this is up there. I think there's maybe like three or four movies that they think of, and this is one of those three or four movies. Yeah, for sure. Snake Plissken, among one of the most iconic in all of... Hmm. How would you categorize Escape from New York, Whitney? Is it a sci-fi movie? Uh, I think we had this discussion. Post-apocalyptic, yeah. Yeah, it's dystopian. That's right. It's less sci-fi than like a Blade Runner, but it's definitely in that category. Yeah. 
future dystopia, right? That's yeah. kind of what we can call it. Yeah. Spoiler alert. When I wa- after I watched Used Cars, I actually like watched like the next three films we were supposed to watch as well. Because <laughs> I was like, let's you just on a roll. let's just go. And I am so excited. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Yeah. I don't know who will be joining us next week. It might be a shorter list of who will not be joining us next week. Yeah, it might <laughs> so, be. So uh, stay tuned for that. It's going to be like, it's going to be a great episode. Uh, a jam-packed one, if I if I had to take a guess. So there we go. Mm-hmm. There we go. Whitney, we did it. We got through we this one. It. We're in the we 80s. the whole dang thing. It's like a rocky start to the 80s, but oh, the future looks bright. The future it does looks look bright. bright. Uh, if people wanted to find and keep up with you on the internet, uh, where might they do that? I am at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N on Twitter. And I'm at Whitney Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N without the underscore on Instagram. I don't post much these days, but I have just decided I'm going to try and grow my own morel mushrooms. So stay tuned, I guess. See how that comes out. Interesting. Is there something special uh, about growing them? Are they are they finicky or what's the deal? I mean, I don't. I've never grown a mushroom. I assume they're all finicky. We'll yeah. see what happens. I just was like, I want to get into growing mushrooms, and the it was basically the same price for any of the like different mushroom spores you could purchase. And I was like, I'm going to go with morels. Incredible. All right. If I can do anyone. I I thought about some like lion's mane, cordyceps, you know, like nootropics. But I was like, I don't know what I would do with those outside of nootropics. So. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get one that's food. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get one that's food. Yeah. Um. As a side note, that sounds a lot better. I just started with Venus flytraps, and they are the pickiest goddamn plant I've ever owned. You can't yeah. water yeah. them on from the top; they'll die. Nope. You yep. can't. Uh, uh, it can't be tap. It has to be distilled, or they'll die. Yep. Everything kills them. I don't know how the <laughs> how do they exist. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, but they're going. They're doing well. Lots of sunlight. Lots of distilled they're water. They're cute. They are. I can't wait for one to catch a fly. It'll be great. Have you seen the person who puts Santa beards on them at Christmas? <laughs> I love it already. Little, I they love cut it a little beard out of like a cotton pad and uh-huh. then make like do the thing where you tickle the inside so it closes up on it. <laughs> and then they put a little Santa hat on top of it. And obviously that's going to shrivel up and die. Yes. But... They only For the have Christmas so many. Season, you have a now very festive Santa Venus flytrap. Incredible. They do multiply like nuts, though. Since I bought it, yeah. I've, there have been like uh, seven more mouths that have opened up. So, well, it's, that's great because there have never been more mouths on any of them that I have ever tried to grow. Oh, they okay. just slowly die. Yeah, this one has. I can't, I was like, I have to repot it already. It's crazy. So, this is our new gardening podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know, listeners. Should we start a gardening podcast? (laughs) We talk about our definitely, definitely should not. Okay, all right. I I can't be trusted with that anyway. I can do this. I could basically can't take care of one, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. If you wanted to find me and see a picture of this Venus flytrap on the internet, uh, 
go to at Dark Driving on Twitter or Instagram and uh, check it out. And that's it. Join the Discord. You can listen live. I don't know if anybody did. It doesn't notify us, but uh, that's okay. Hopefully for Escape from New York, Lane Train, Mrs. Lane Train, Claire, everyone, please come on by. It's going to be great. And I'll uh, tweet out uh, information for like watch parties and stuff coming soon. So TBD, yes. TBD. With all that, uh, let me go ahead and press the button. That one. Oh, man. And just say thank you all for joining us. And in the immortal words of Jack Burton, sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning.